video. Welcome to H2O. My name is Brian Miles. I'm one of the pastors here. want to give a special welcome to H2O Akron, who's joining us via video today. And we are excited to continue this series that we're in, that we're calling The Art of Love. And really, this series is all about the different relationships that we have with one another, the romantic relationships that many of us are in or desiring to be in. And something that we said at the beginning of the series that I just want to reiterate here today is no matter where you find yourself, as you sit here today romantically, whether you're single and you're excited about being single, whether you're single and you want to be in a relationship, whether you're dating, whether you're married, we believe that each one of these messages is going to have something that is going to apply to you. And specifically today, we're talking about the topic of marriage. And I think that that video pretty much hits the nail on the head as we think about that topic. I know for myself, um, honestly, I, I wondered if they kind of jumped into the beginning of my marriage because that's a, a pretty similar experience that my wife and I have. We, we loved each other. We were so excited. We had a great engagement period. We did some premarital counseling. And so I was pretty sure that as we would go into marriage, I was going to knock it out of the park. You know, I was going to, as that guy said, I was going to just kill it at being a husband. And so we uh, went through our wedding day. It was a beautiful wedding. It was one of the, the most exciting days of our life. We had a blast. And right away, we started to realize that our expectations for marriage and what that meant were on some different pages. Uh, it started on the honeymoon. We went to Mexico on our honeymoon. And so we went to this, this beautiful place. It was south of Cancun. It was an all-inclusive resort. It was one of my favorite vacations. Well, while we were on our honeymoon, this hurricane came through, Hurricane Claudette. And uh, it was supposed to be pretty bad, so they literally just shut down everything for a day while we were in Mexico. Newlyweds, we just had to stay in our room all day. We couldn't figure out what to do. And... Um, you get the joke there, right? So, so after being kind of locked down in our room for a whole day, we figured, you know, let's go out and explore. So we decided we were going to take a ferry over to Cozumel. Cozumel is an island right off of Mexico. It's a tourist attraction, and, and so we were excited to go explore. We jumped on this little ferry. We go over to Cozumel, and as we get there, um, things are still shut down because of the hurricane that came through the day before. Again, they were expecting it to be much worse. So all, like, the fun things that you could do in Cozumel, smell was closed. There was really nothing to do. And so in my mind, I thought, well, that's perfect because that means that we can go off the beaten path and we can explore. Now, my wife was like, I'm not really sure. We don't know the language. We don't know anything about this area. I'm like, we'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I grabbed the map and we, we found this place where you could rent scooters. And they were like the little dumb and dumber scooters. They were about this big. And so we, I said, that's exactly what we need. And so we rent it and I'm like, let's drive all the way around the island and just get out and be with the people of Mexico, you know? Let's get away from the tourist stuff. And Sarah's like, are you sure you really want to do that? I mean, I, I don't know. And I'm like, come on, babe, just follow me. This is going to be fun. We're going to go on an adventure on our honeymoon. She says, okay. We start driving out of the city, out of the touristy area. We're about 10 miles out in the middle of nowhere in Cozumel. We're driving on the moped, and all of a sudden, the back tire pops. We're swerving. We don't know what to do. I pull the, the, the motor scooter over, and now we're in the middle of Mexico with nowhere to go, no clue what in the world, how to get help. We didn't have cell phones that worked. We didn't have any way of getting in contact with anybody. So I'm like, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. We find this path that we walk down. We think maybe we'll find a house that somebody could 
would help us. We walked down this path, and I kid you not, it was like out of a horror movie. There was this abandoned beach. Nobody was there. I'm thinking, we're going to die in Mexico for sure. I mean, it looked like there's just probably people that just lived there that were just waiting to, to ambush us or something. So we walked back, and now we're getting a little bit nervous and scared. We're walking on the road. Finally, we flag somebody down. They take us back into the city, and my wife is like, whew, you know, we avoided that. Let's just go back to the, the resort. And I'm like, no, I still feel like we need a little bit more of adventure. We already paid for this moped. She's like, are you serious? I said, yes, we'll rent, uh, let's get another one. But this time, we're not going to go explore. We'll just stay in the city. So uh, we get on this moped again. We're driving around town. And uh, as we're driving, uh, I don't know Spanish very well at all. I go the wrong way down a one-way street. And there's a Mexican police officer sitting right there. And he looks at me, and he's like, turn around. And I was like, okay, yeah, I will. Well, I wanted to go up the street a little bit to turn around. He thought I was completely ignoring him, probably thought I was like some arrogant American or something like that. And so he starts blowing his whistle, screaming at me, running after me. And my wife is freaking out. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. So finally I turn around and he's just giving us this death stare. Like he's going to throw me in Mexican jail and I'm never going to get back. That's going to be the story of my honeymoon. Uh, I come back by and he lets us go. And she was like, is this like your picture? Of, of a honeymoon. We're having fun, aren't we? We're exploring. Last thing about my honeymoon. We, we get back, and it's the nighttime now. We're going for, she says, let's go for a walk on the beach. And I'm like, that sounds great. I'm thinking this is a perfect time to go and find a place to sit down and just fall asleep on the beach. Won't that be cool? She's thinking this is a perfect opportunity to have a deep talk about what the rest of our life is going to look like together. So we go, we sit down on these two chairs. I kid you not, I, I zonk out. It had been a long day, you know. I popped two tires on, on mopeds. I'd almost got arrested, you know. She is sitting there, and all of a sudden, I wake up to my brand new beautiful bride crying right next to me. That's how I started off my marriage. And now I'm about to teach you all about how to have great marriages. You're like, this guy has no credibility whatsoever. You know, I think that we have to be able to be open. We have to be able to be honest. We have to be able to joke about our successes in marriage because by God's grace, uh, he has brought us to a point where we've continued to grow closer and closer together. My wife and I, over the last 15 years, here's a picture of her and I. Uh, we've been married 15 years, if you don't know Sarah. Um, well, that's actually not her. But uh, there might be a picture that comes up or there might not be. But anyway, we'll probably get it up eventually. But as you... As we think about the, the reality, okay, there it is, yeah. So she's around here somewhere. As we think about marriage, it is something that it can be extremely hard, can it? For those of us who've been married, we know that it can be something that's beautiful. There's nothing like going into a marriage and growing closer with your partner and find, falling in love and getting to know one another. Marriage can be complicated, but here's the beautiful thing about marriage. Marriage is God's idea, and when we seek after God together, it brings him glory. There's nothing like a marriage that is centered in Christ to bring glory to God. And that's what we're going to talk about together today. Here's our big idea that I want to talk about and kind of unpack together today. It's this. Marriage is from God, and God not only joins us together, which we're going to talk about, but God is the one who keeps marriages together as well. You know, oftentimes when we think about marriage, we think about the wedding day. And one of my favorite things to do as a pastor is 
perform weddings because it's a privilege to stand up here and be part of God joining together two individuals. But you know, God isn't just in the wedding day. God is in the marriage, in the moments when we're going through life, the thick and thin of life. And as we seek to grow closer to him and turn to him, God can do some amazing things in our marriage. But if you've been married, you know that it is something that takes work. It's something that takes intentionality. And we're going to open up God's word and talk about that together and see what that looks like. So I want to talk about four different things about marriage together today. And here's the first thing. Marriage is from God. See, we, we truly believe that. It's the first point today, that marriage is from God. And I think that as we think about marriage, our world and our culture oftentimes has got this concept confused. Uh, when we think about marriage, sometimes we think that it's something that we get to define, but marriage is something from the very beginning of time that God instituted and has given to this world. Sometimes we confuse a, a, a contract and a covenant. You see, marriage is more than just a contract. It is a contract, but marriage is actually a covenant. And the difference between a contract and a covenant is that a contract is an agreement that two people make with one another, right? We do this for work sometimes. We do this when you're buying a car or buying a house. And a contract is important because you're giving your word to another person that you're going to fulfill the promise that you made. Well, that is a part of marriage, but marriage goes even a step further. Marriage is a covenant, a covenant that involves God. So marriage isn't just about a husband and a wife coming together and giving their word to one another, but when somebody stands up here at the altar and gets married, it involves three people. It involves a husband, it involves a wife, and it involves the God of the universe. And so when you give your word to another person, when you have a church full of your closest family and friends, and you say, I'm committing to spend the rest of my life with this person, God enters into that moment. And there is a covenant, not just a contract, but a covenant that is supposed to last for the rest of our lives. You see, before universities were, were formed, before churches were formed, even before families were, were formed, God gives us this institution of marriage. We talked a little bit about it in Genesis chapter 2 last week, verse 24. It says this, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. See, there's something spiritual that happens in marriage. It's not just an agreement between, between two people. It's God entering into that, and it's beautiful, and that's why God talks about it so much. If you look throughout the pages of the Bible, God is talking about marriage over and over again. Jesus talks about marriage. He says, let, what, what God joined together, let no man separate. And so we see that this idea of marriage, it's not a human idea. It's played out in, in, in human courts. It's played out in churches. It's an institution that we play out as humans, but it is from God. And so as it is from God, we need to figure out what does God want for our marriages? What does God want our marriages to look like? Okay, we've established that God joins us together as a married couple, but how does he keep us together? How does he continue to allow us to love one another for a lifetime. And there's so many sections in the Bible that talk about marriage, but I want to go to uh, Ephesians chapter 5 today. That's going to be the main text that we're going to spend our time in because it's one of the most comprehensive sections about marriage. And Paul is talking to this uh, young church in Ephesus, and he is giving them instructions about how to do a lot of different things. He's giving them instructions about how to think. He's giving them instructions about how to love one another. And at the end of chapter 5, Paul turns his attention to marriage. 
And he starts equipping and informing the church there about what marriage should look like. So let's open up there together. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 21. And we're going to stop three different times throughout this text and see what God has to say to us. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21. It says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Talking to husbands and wives. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. See, I want to stop there for just a minute. I want to explain this because the first thing that we can learn about marriage is that marriage takes submission. Marriage takes submission. Now, that's an S word that some of us aren't super comfortable with, right? When we hear that word submission, because our culture has kind of hijacked it and turned it into something that it is supposed to be. Isn't it sad to think that, that some people have, have projected some false views, even onto Christianity, that, that it's chauvinistic? And that the reality is that, that, that somehow the Bible teaches that husbands are supposed to command their wives to do certain things. Well, that could not be further from the truth. I want to put you at ease right here. If that's anywhere in your past, if that's some type of preconceived notion that you have with that word submit, I want you to know that's not what we're talking about here today. Did you catch the beginning of that section? Because a lot of times people who do lean chauvinistic and twist the Bible just to believe something that they want to project onto their own relationship, they forget verse 22 or 21 that comes before verse 22. Submit to one another out of reverence. For Christ. So we see in a healthy marriage that it involves submission to one another. And the beautiful thing about marriage, when it's done God's way, is that we both submit to Christ, the husband and wife. And as we are submitting to Christ, we're able to lead and love and serve one another. You know, it was, it was pretty funny this week. Uh, sometimes when I'm preparing my message, I, I call some of my pastor friends and I try to just get input and bounce ideas off them. So I called uh, one of my pastor friends and I was telling him I was going to be talking about this topic. I said, you know, some people don't like that word. I want to make sure that, that I clarify. I said, you know, help me think about how to explain this submission concept. And he had his teenagers in the back of the car and some of their friends. And he goes, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. Let's see what these kids think about the word submission. And so he turns to the back of the car. And he says, hey, guys, you know, Brian's working on a sermon. And, uh, and there's a section in the Bible that says wives submit to their husbands. Um, have you ever heard that before? Like, what do you think that means? And the one girl who, who doesn't go to church at all or anything, she goes, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Uh, we do that in my house, and, and he's like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah, what it means is, like, whatever my mom says, that's just what we all do. And, uh, and, and they're like, okay, that's, that's what you think it means? And she's like, yeah, like, if my mom says my dad has to do something, like, he goes and does it. And uh, if the kids, if she says it, and then, like, he'll check with her every once in a while just to make sure things are okay. And, and we're like, okay, well, that's cool. And then he turns to his son, and uh, his son goes, yeah, that's exactly how it works in our family as well. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a lot of confusion around this concept, isn't there? But listen, uh, God is a God of order. And I want to show this, this picture of this triangle that, that comes up. And, and the whole picture of submission is that both the husband and wife are growing towards God. And as we all submit our lives to Christ, we grow closer to God. And that brings us closer to one another. 
Think about that reality. And then within that, God institutes and gives the husband the opportunity to lead his wife. That's why he calls the wife to submit to her husband. Now listen, I can tell you that this can only happen when the husband is loving and sacrificing for his wife in a way that God calls us to that we're going to talk about here in just one minute. So God calls both of us to submit. He calls the husband to lead. And I want to just take a minute right here because we're talking to all different types of people in all different phases. I want to tell you, if you are a wife here today, I want you to know that you can encourage and spur on your husband in a way that nobody else can. Isn't that amazing to think about? Like you, and, and you may not believe it, and guys are complicated. Sometimes we don't even act like we need it. But I can tell you this from being a guy personally, that we need encouragement. We need your respect. We need you to push us forward and encourage us to seek after God and to lead and to do the things that God has called us to do. And as a wife, you have this special, unique opportunity that you can do like nobody else in the rest of the world. His friends can't do it. His mom can't do it. Nobody can. His boss can't do it. Only you can encourage your husband the way that God has designed you to. And man, when you do, it is amazing what God does with that submission, with that encouragement as you push him forward. I know that I've done things in my marriage that I haven't wanted to do, but when my wife has said, you know what, Brian, you're the only one that can do this. I know that you can, I didn't want to finish our basement about 10 years ago. I was kind of, you know, putting it off, putting it off, and my wife just lovingly came up to me, and she said, man, you know, we were about pregnant, we were about ready to have our, our second kid. She's like, I'd just love it if you found a way to make this happen for us, man, I think that you can do it. I believe in us. And won't it be so amazing when we get this done and we can have our little baby down in the finished basement? And boy, I would just feel so loved if you would do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I can do that. I'm going to get off the couch, stop watching the Browns, and go down there and finish the basement. There's something that we long for and desire as men to know that we're supported and cared for. God designed it that way. God designed it that way. Let's jump back in. He gave some words to the wife. Now let's see what he says to the husband. He says this in verse 25. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loved his wife loves himself. After all, no one hated his own body, but they fed it and cared for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, citing that verse that we talked about earlier, and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. You see, the second thing is this. Marriage takes sacrificial love. Marriage takes sacrificial love. And if you've been married for any period of time, you know that this is true. And Paul takes it to a new level that honestly should probably blow our minds and convict us if you are a husband or a man here today. Paul says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. How does Jesus love the church? Paul's not talking about Jesus loving a building. 
He's talking about Jesus loving you, his people, his sons, his daughters. Jesus loves the church unconditionally. Jesus loves the church perfectly. Jesus loves the church even when the church doesn't deserve to be loved. And so Paul says, in that exact same way, husbands, you want to lead? That's how you lead. Lay your life down for your wife over and over and over again. Now, isn't it interesting if you're married here? You know, I, I honestly believe in, in the men in this church. I believe most of us, like, if it came down to a decision, I believe most of us would take a bullet for our wife. I honestly do. I think that that's just something that most of us, we may not be happy about it, but I think that we would do it. But here's the real question. Not just would you take a bullet for your wife, but will you lay your life down daily? Over and over again. Will you not take a bullet, but will you get up off the couch and miss the Browns game so that you can have a conversation with your wife? I don't know if you like the Browns. I do. Will you, will, will you sacrifice something that you want to do in order to love your spouse the way that Jesus loved her? See, Jesus isn't just talking about, you know, you, you don't have to get in this place where, yeah, I would die for her. Are you willing to live for her? Are you willing to sacrifice for her? Are you willing to meet her needs? Are you willing to care for her? Because that's what God calls us to do. See, this covenant that we have between one another, it's more than just a feeling. Biblical love on both sides for both a husband and a wife is not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. It's a commitment. It's something that we have to honor before God. And, and here's the really interesting thing. It's not our love that sustains marriage because our love is broken and incomplete. It's not our love that sustains marriage. It's marriage that sustains our love. So when we truly understand what marriage is, it's not about our feelings and whether we feel like we're up for being a good husband or being a good wife that day. The question is, are we committed to honoring God? And as we honor God, we will Submit and love our husbands, and we will love and cherish our wives. That's what God calls us to do. And as we work together, man, it's a beautiful thing. So here's my question for those of us who aren't married here today. You know, those of us who are in this place and, and are just kind of taking it all in, and it's good to take it all in because a lot of the people that you interact with will be married, and a lot of us want to be married someday. And so I want to ask you this question. Is the person that you're interested in, is the person that, that you're kind of crushing on, is the person that maybe you're even dating as you're sitting here today, is that person somebody that you can look at and say, yes, he's going to lay his life down for me time and time and time again? Is that person following Jesus closely enough? Doesn't mean he's perfect because, listen, none of us are perfect. Doesn't mean that he's going to get it right every time because none of us are going to get it right every time. But is he in a spot? where you can look at him and trust him enough to say, I'll follow him for the rest of my life. Because marriage is a covenant that unites us with that person for the rest of the time that we're here. And so it's a filter to view any relationship that we're considering going into through. Is that somebody that I can trust enough to think that I could walk with and live with for the rest of my life that will honor me and respect me the rest of my life? And guys, the same to you. Is the person that you're interested in, is she somebody who's going to honor you and be behind you and encourage you and follow after God and help bring you closer to him as you grow closer?
to one another. Listen, a marriage built on the foundation of the gospel is such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thing. That brings us to our last point. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Paul wraps it all together, and he kind of gives this conclusive statement. He says, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and a wife must respect her husband. You see, the fourth and final thing is this. Marriage takes intentionality. Marriage takes intentionality. See, I think you've got the picture throughout this message that the Bible says that there are differences between a husband and a wife, and that is not a bad thing. That's a beautiful thing. And sometimes our world, I don't even know why, we've tried to, to say that that's not the case. But I think as we look at God's word, as God has created us uniquely different, he's created us in a way that complements and supports one another. The husband isn't any more important than the wife. The wife isn't any more important than the husband. We work together in a marriage. You know, I know that that's one of the things that my wife and I, we say to each other oftentimes when we're in a, a conversation or maybe an argument. I don't know what you guys call your arguments. Sometimes we call them conversations. It makes you feel a little better. <laughs> when we're in a conversation, you know, one of the things that, that one of us will try to just say to one another is, listen, we're on the same team here. You know, we're committed to one another. You're my best friend. I care for you. We may not even be seeing eye to eye on this exact issue. We may not even be on the same page right now, but we're on the same team, and we're trying to work this thing out. If you're married here today, are you intentional with the way that God's designed you? Are you intentional, husbands, to love your wives in a way that they may not even be, deserve to be loved? Wives, are you intentional to respect your husband? in a way that they may not even deserve. You know, I want to just give some hope here for a minute because I know that marriage can be hard. And some of us who are here, whether you're in a relationship or you're dating or whether you're married, you may be here and you may be saying, man, all this sounds great, but it's almost a little bit too late for us. Like we've let those seeds of bitterness grow and fester and we just feel so distant from one another right now. And, and the things that you're saying may make sense, but I don't think it can happen for me. I want you to know that there is hope for you. There is hope for your marriage. Because here's the beautiful news about marriage. It's not based on us. It's based on God and his grace. And so I would just ask you, if you're in a spot where you're feeling discouraged, where you're feeling like there isn't any hope, I would ask you, can you start with yourself? You can't always control exactly how your spouse is going to respond. You can't always control, you know, the, the way that things work out. But can you start with yourself? And can you say, if you're the wife, I am going to respect him and love him in a way that he doesn't deserve. I'm going to do that as much as I possibly can and see his response. Don't wait until your spouse starts treating you the way that you want them to treat you for you to return that favor. You take the first step. Because you're doing it for the Lord, not just for your spouse. You're doing it for the Lord because God wants to bless your marriage. And the same with husbands. If your wife is in a spot where you just don't feel like you're connecting, will you love her unconditionally in a way that she may not even deserve, not waiting for her, but just loving her over and over and over again and forgiving her over and over and over again, just like Jesus does the church. And when you see what God does with that, See, this is why marriages based on the gospel are able to succeed because they're based on a source that isn't in human understanding. 
It's based on something much greater than that. I want you to know, church, that our marriages are the greatest tool that God wants to use to bring glory to himself. You see, Paul tells us, Jesus tells us, throughout the words of the Bible, he tells us marriage is a picture of the gospel. And when you think about us standing up here at a wedding and how excited a couple is when they're having those thoughts that we saw in the video and they don't even know what's about, what they're about to be in for, but there's something beautiful about their love. It's a picture of God's love for us. It's a picture of how God extends this hand of grace to us. And just as a, a husband proposes to a wife and says, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, no matter what, that's what God does for us. It's like he reaches out and he proposes to us. He does that by sending his son, Jesus Christ, from heaven to earth to live a perfect life on earth, to walk here, to love people, to heal people. And instead of getting accolades and getting worshiped, they sent him to the cross. We sent him to the cross. We didn't fulfill our end of the bargain, but Jesus says, I love you anyway. Went to the cross and died for you and for me. And he defeated death. He rose from the grave. And now he's standing there waiting for every single one of us to respond to his proposal to us. He loves us with an unconditional love. He cares for us with a depth that we couldn't possibly imagine. And marriage is supposed to be a picture of that. But a marriage that's rooted in the love that Jesus has for us gives us an understanding of how to love and care for one another. That's beyond our own ability. That's what a biblical marriage is all about. God not only brings us together and unites us together, but God keeps us together as we continually point one another back to the gospel. Guys, I want you to know, God wants your marriages to thrive. God wants your marriages to succeed. And it can only be done with putting our faith and trust in him over and over again. So let's pray and let's ask God to continue to help us to grow.